Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence's Compliance Clarified podcast. My name is Susanna Hammond and I'm Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert here at TRRI. Today, I'm joined by Mike Cowan. He's also Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert at TRRI, and he's also my co-author on our latest special report on the RegTech governance lifecycle. The consideration of the RegTech governance lifecycle was born out of our report on FinTech, RegTech and the role of compliance, which you may remember we discussed back in the very first episode of this podcast. Now, the FinTech report warned financial services firms to be very careful to deploy solutions on solid foundations and to get corporate governance right. The use of digital solutions is growing. By any estimation, it is growing. After a somewhat rocky start, where there really were rather too many solutions looking for problems, the marketplace is now estimated to be what will be worth 55 billion US dollars by 2025. Financial services firms are beginning to use RegTech to meet the need to do more with less and to increase efficiency. In practical terms, RegTech is being used to meet challenges such as know your customer and onboarding, the automation of compliance processes, regulatory change management, as well as AML, that's anti-money laundering, and sanctions compliance. Now back to the premise. In order to reap the potential benefits of RegTech solutions, firms and their compliance functions need to consider two issues up front. First is whether or not their IT infrastructure is sufficiently robust to actually support RegTech. Now, this may be stating the entirely obvious, but there is simply no point considering RegTech if your IT infrastructure is still a work in progress. The second thing, which is very much the focus of today's discussion, is the need for the decisions to be made about RegTech, or indeed any digital solution, to be subject to robust governance. The importance of governance over all things IT was highlighted in a February report on implementing technology change, which was published by the UK Financial Conduct Authority. And part of what the report said was, Firms with well-established governance arrangements have a higher change success rate. There was a positive correlation between the longevity of governance arrangements and higher change success rates in sampled firms. In other words, if you've got strong, well-built governance arrangements, you're much more likely to get your IT and technology right. Just how RegTech fits into governance lifecycle breaks down into a number of areas which can be grouped into corporate governance, implementation, and then internal control. And we'll go through each of these in turn. Now, just before we start, I want to manage an expectation or two. The RegTech Governance Lifecycle Report explores what good governance looks like when applied to the implementation embedding of RegTech applications. What the report doesn't do, and will not do, is to consider the efficacy of individual RegTech solutions. Instead, it considers how firms could assess which solution best meets their specific requirements and can reap the potential benefits of their investment in RegTech. So after a long introduction there, Mike, the governance lifecycle in three parts. If we kick off with corporate governance, 
Where should firms begin with all of this in the RegTech governance lifecycle? Yeah, hi, Susanna, and hello, everyone. And and, and for me, um, just to follow up on what you your intro there, um, the success of the RegTech market this year isn't the actual growth of the sector in, in pounds, dollars, um, etc., or the proliferation of applications that are on offer out there. I mean, that's all going to happen. That growth is going to happen anyway. But the real success this year for me as a as a died in the wool compliance aged compliance guy is that is that it's the reaction of the firms not to be hypnotized by the tech and to deploy the reg tech applications in a controlled way and i guess that's what the reg tech governance life cycle tries to articulate there is there is already best practice around on it governance you've alluded to that and what this report does is it takes some of those elements and applies it to the RegTech environment. So what is the life cycle? Well, the life cycle um, is a schematic, rather um, interestingly for a podcast, so we can't show you it. Um, it sets out the different segments that firms should consider when looking at governance arrangements. The life cycle, as you say, can be split into three segments and has 10 sub-segments. So in the first segment, the corporate governance area, we look at four of the segments. So they are um, um, the governance structure, the strategy of the firm and of the application, the policy and the ownership. So firstly, the governance structure around RegTech. We include things like um, any, implement, any implementation should be board-led and supported by the board. There should be appropriate governance structures in place to challenge the business case and the deployment. Uh, generally, this will mean uh, an operational risk committee or perhaps a compliance committee that may feed into a high-level uh, board, uh, board risk committee or board audit committee. Secondly, risk and compliance functions should be involved in the deployment, challenging and advising on the implementation. But in fairness, I'm not a fan of risk and compliance officers owning the deployment. I think that ownership is a very important um, point around implementation, especially with senior management regimes around the world defaulting to clear ownership as one of their key tenants. But in general, I would rather see a compliance officer given the independence to challenge the RegTech system rather than be, to be the main owner and that the ownership be left to an operational first-line manager, accepting, of course, that at times, especially in smaller firms, this is difficult or, or can't be done. So thirdly is strategy. Um, it's important to align the business case for the RegTech solution with the wider business strategy. Uh, this makes the selling the benefits easier and also demonstrates to the board how compliance tools can contribute to the strategic objectives of the firm. Um, this requires firms to have a clear understanding of the reasons for uh, RegTech deployment and the operations of the specific system to be introduced. Um, and one way to demonstrate this is by having um, specific business objectives or key performance indicators for the IT solution concerned. Of course, one drawback, as you've already mentioned, um, uh, is the limitations of the existing IT infrastructure. And not to labour the point, because I thought you made it very clearly in your introduction, Susanna, in the FCA report, 
they stated that 80% of projects cited changing legacy technology as the reason the project was made high risk. And also, you know, Thomson Reuters last year, we made the, 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 the point that firms still didn't have the confidence in their underlying IT platforms to be able to implement RegTech solutions. But like you say, maybe one for, this subject's one for another day. Uh, and finally, in this section, firms should consider putting in place a RegTech policy. Uh, and this has a number of benefits. So it can communicate the organization's mission and enables the, the execution of its strategy. It influences employee behavior and supporting ethical and compliant decision making. It creates a positive and respectful workplace and organizational culture and embeds credibility and trust uh, with customers and business partners. All of that around the RegTech solution and applies all of that to the RegTech solution. So as a kickoff, as a first segment of the podcast, uh, there's a heck of a lot there. Um, and this is potentially even without even seeing a RegTech package or, or putting a, a plug in a wall. Yeah, there really is a lot there. And, and what two things strike with all of that. One, there needs to be some very clear upfront thinking. Don't just dive in blindly to a RegTech solution because it's making some fantastic promises on the tin. The other thing I think that firms need to consider throughout all of this is their skill sets. Do they truly have the skill sets, and preferably internally, to understand what technology can and can't do for them? And also what the art of the possible is? I mean, one of the, the many tenants that, that is emerging at the moment, certainly culturally, is that any investment in digital solutions in the front office must absolutely be matched by investment and resources for the back office. I mean, you can't have some very shiny AI-enabled trading desk without the technological tools in the back office, including compliance, to be able to monitor and oversee that. So where is skills in all of this? I mean, do we get the sense that firms have the skills or are they still trying to build that skill set? And it's at all levels as well. So, I mean, we're talking from board through executive management, through senior management, right down into the individual departments, very much including the compliance department. And uh, to answer your question bluntly, no, the, the, the skills aren't available in a lot of organizations to be able to do this satisfactorily, which may be a reason why lots of firms um, don't pursue the RegTech route at this point. Um, um, I think we, 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 we've chatted about, about skill sets within compliance environments in previous podcasts. And uh, the same tenets apply here, that it can be a very expensive business um, um, employing um, technologically skilled uh, individuals to work in a compliance perspective um, where, where salaries may not be the same um, uh, given the disciplines that we're talking about. Equally, that skill set may not be available in the marketplace. It's, 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 it's as simple as that. So you're absolutely right to raise skill sets needs to be something that, um, that firms look at. Which I suppose brings us on neatly into you know, the, the implementation part. If you don't have the skill sets necessary to do this robustly, I would suggest you need to factor that in to your strategy to all of this. But if you do have the skill sets and you are comfortable to proceed, let's move on to the next segment. Sourcing, procurement, implementation, outsourcing. Yeah, and the skill sets, start, we start to, to open up a whole load of new skill sets because 
Um, as you say, this, this next segment covers uh, procurement, the actual deployment of the, the, the application, and any outsourcing arrangements that may, may be needed. And all three of those uh, categories uh, require um, 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 specific skill sets that um, organizations and compliance functions need, need to consider. So, for, so given that we may not have those skills, what can firms do? Um, so for, for procurement, um, firms should operate dedicated procurement processes that cover uh, identif identification of goods, services, uh, technology, software, applications, etc. Uh, supplier evaluation, um, uh, catwalks and customer due diligence and, and that sort of, sort of thing. Contract management, requisitioning, invoicing and record keeping. All key parts of an IT deployment, but in, in, this, in this particular case, in part of a reg tech deployment. Uh, due diligence, as I've mentioned, will need to will need to be uh, uh, to check the understanding what what it what it delivers, uh, the assumptions in any data feeds, uh, the capture and processing of the data, um, and its capacity that the outsourced firm that is the the the, the capacity to integrate into a firm's existing systems the the, the reg tech application that is so, uh, including the disaster recovery and business continuity plans, um, which as we've known from last year. Are, are very important. Um, so when it comes to the actual deployment of RedTech solutions, having formal project management dis disciplines uh, should be considered. So having disciplined project plans, milestones, quality assurance uh, checks, testing of the systems is vital, communication channels, uh, and tailored training for, for, for staff. All of these things contribute to a more efficient rollout of the, the new system. Um, and this project management approach should also ensure that adequate risk management is put in place, uh, including a link to the firm's risk framework so that significant risks that are coming out of the project can be identified, mitigated and reported up to senior management in a timely fashion. Uh, and so I suppose finally in this section, and surprisingly, I'm not going to say a lot, a lot about this. You, you, you may have one or two more comments, but is outsourcing. And given some of the applications that are prime for RegTech reg applications, uh, for these applications are prime for outsourcing, um, especially some things like compliance monitoring, financial crime monitoring, the money laundering um, checks that you mentioned earlier. Uh, and regulatory reporting, all of those um, applications have systems out in the marketplace where firms uh, can buy into. Um, this report actually highlights the golden rule of outsourcing, which is sort of where I'm going to leave this section. And the golden rule is that for, for outsourcing to be successful, um, it is that, uh, you know, that the activities can be moved to a different group or company or third party but the skills to manage those activities must be retained in-house. And I think that's critical when we look through the, the, through the whole of, 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 of outsourcing and the risks that that brings to a firm. Absolutely. And, and uh, <clears throat> particularly on outsourcing for me, I think the pandemic has shone a very, in fact, often harsh light on the strategic viability of outsourcing. In one of the things that travel restrictions and general restrictions and so on has put 
it is very hard to maintain the level of robust line of sight to an overseas outsourcing provider if you can't travel and see that. And their economic stability, the due diligence on them, that has all had to change, I would suggest, during the pandemic. And one of the things we're beginning to see is that people are reconsidering long outsource chains or when the outsourcer has the ability to outsource again. The line of sight to what, for instance, data is held where and on what basis and for what use. I think that has caused at least some firms to reconsider their outsourcing arrangements and perhaps pulled them closer to home, perhaps even in-house and shortened that line of sight, given the experience of the pandemic. And anything in those sorts of terms, and in fact, this entire process, I would suggest you need to have documented really in quite a lot of detail the decisions you have taken on the basis that you have taken them. Because one of the many things we are also seeing is that regulators are asking questions about use of reg tech. If you haven't used it, and that's entirely up to you, you will need to explain to the regulator potentially why not. If you have used it, equally, you will need to explain to the regulator the basis on which you have used it. So documentation of the entire process, and I would particularly include in that if you have reassessed the strategic viability of outsourcing, make sure you have truly documented that because that will stand you in very good stead. So if we move on to the sort of third segment with all of this, um, what does the once you've got it implemented and it's all working for you, what does that then look like, Mike? So this section, I think um, we've called it internal control or potentially the ongoing management of the RegTech application. And it brings into play things like ongoing monitoring and reporting of performance and having periodic reviews of the application to assess effectiveness. So monitoring and reporting are stalwarts of governance arrangements. Uh, so for monitoring things like engaging with control functions, you know, your risk, your compliance, your internal audit departments, to have a joined up approach to assessing whether the application is achieving its objectives and what the risks uh, uh, it is running um, are um, is vital to 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 for boards and senior management to get a grip of whether the regtech solution is performing what what it says what what it says it's got it's doing um, having perform key performance indicators to monitor the ongoing performance of the application uh, and things like running control risk self-assessment workshops with with key participants and having stakeholder surveys to gauge the success of the deployment might also be appropriate and good um, MI management information to produce to your senior management to evidence that things have gone well or to, to highlight weaknesses in, within the deployment. I mean, reporting itself should have a, a predetermined path. I mean, this should usually include line management in the first, first line, risk and compliance functions, associated senior managers, governance committees, executive management, and where appropriate, the board, obviously. Um, where, where appropriate, format should be standardized and simplified to include the relevant information for the particular audience. Uh, and any remediation, remedial actions highlighted by the monitoring should be also uh, follow a predetermined path 
and follow a similar sort of route to, to your reporting up through the management levels, potentially to, 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 to board. And finally, I think uh, the final piece of the, uh, of the life cycle, uh, which firms should consider, is to review their RegTech strategy and its application regularly. Um, this is to provide assurance that they are getting the greatest value and that the direction of the travel corresponds with the strategic direction and that the actual RegTech application itself works as they want it to work. And again, this review should be reported through the governance structures uh, into senior management and the board. And then the life cycle begins again with the governance structure. Thank you. Yes. And, and I think part of that review is how to decommission or remove the RegTech solution you've got. I mean, how do you unscramble or unplug something you have um, used very successfully but has reached the end of its life? So I think that is a key part in all of that as well. I mean, probably just worth mentioning in, in terms of the strategic review, the role of the regulator in all of this. Regulators are getting much more interested in RegTech and they are looking themselves to use much more technology as well. And there may well come a time when the reg tech talks to the sub tech. We're not quite there yet, but you can see that is the direction of travel. Um, in terms of key takeaways from all of this, um, for me, absolutely skill sets need to be there and the need to document. But Mike, have you got any words of wisdom in terms of key takeaways from your perspective as well? I think it's about having a plan and having a structure within which to feed reg tech business cases reg tech applications i think it's about knowing where to go to gain approval to what information is required by the firm to feed into strategy strategic decisions and it's about having the the culture and the governance um, um, around the uh, the whole um, deployment to that really helps firms out in this. Um, and um, I think having a structured approach to deployment of RegTech is probably the one thing that I would that, that I would take. But you're absolutely right when it comes to things like uh, skills and documentation. They're, they're all vital ingredients within that structure. Brilliant. As ever, Mike, thank you very much indeed. And Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Clarified. I do hope you found it interesting and useful. Now, there'll be a link to the special report on the RegTech governance lifecycle in the episode notes. I'll also pop in there a link to the FinTech, RegTech and Role of Compliance report, which we mentioned up front. And I'll also, <clears throat> excuse me, also put a link in to the TV slot I did where I chatted a bit more about RegTech governance lifecycle. So please feel free to look at that as well. Last but not least, um, there'll be an episode note link for Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence itself. And if you would, we'd very much appreciate it if you'd take the time to review the podcast. And please do let us know any suggestions you may have for future topics. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.